The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome to, to the, the Legendarium. Legendarium. I didn't understand any of him and his relation to anything what relation yeah exactly he he's i he, i want to punch that's his character <laughs> yeah yeah welcome everybody welcome to the legendarium podcast i am craig your host and with me today is ryan ryan running tech on the video side hopefully this works this time the last time it didn't work but yeah. uh we'll see maybe we can get this up on youtube new hardware here we go yeah thank you patrons <laughs> uh, and also todd todd welcome back todd I, this is a, a trio that hasn't happened for a while i think yeah but today we are here to talk about the snyder cut which has been hashtag released so <laughs> just you as- got those hashtags wrong it's supposed to <laughs> Hashtag Snyder Cut release. I, I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? Everybody knows release what I'm the, talking hashtag about. Hashtag release the Snyder Cut. Okay. So, <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League was released this week on HBO Max. And so, that's what we're going to be talking about today. If you are ultra concerned about spoilers, then I guess go watch it and then listen. Uh, but honestly, this is... I wouldn't worry that too much about it. It's... Especially in, if you... In, 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 when we talk about spoiler territories... This is a very standard superhero movie, right? Yeah. yeah. As far as as far as the the arc of like introduce the characters, introduce the villain, conflict, villain defeated, character, you know, heroes triumphant. It's it's pretty standard superhero movie. So how are you not in a writer's room in Hollywood right now? Uh, you know, it's that is a great <laughs> I'm, question. I'm wanting to ride your coattails when that happens because I think we could all <laughs> at least get free donuts. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, I guess my my point is just that, yeah, we're going to talk about some specifics and whatnot. But if you haven't seen the movie, it's it, we're not going to say enough that it's not going to still be worth it to go watch it after you oh, listen yeah, no. to us. Right. So anyway, we have an hour. We're going to go through uh, how the Snyder Cut came to be, the differences in the storyline, the differences in the characters, what this means for the DCEU, uh, if anything, and whether we recommend the movie overall. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, today, no insults or anything and no recap because Ken's not here, so there's nobody to recap and nobody for me to insult, frankly. Uh, okay, that's not true. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm, I I really am not sure what to do with that. That's, <laughs> that feels like I just graduated. What, you have not. I'm just, I've, I've graduated from being productive to lazy. So. Oh, oh, okay. Well, anyway, I can deal with that. Shall we? Ryan, yeah, uh, let's do this. Ryan, do you want do you want me to give you how the Snyder Cut came to be, and you can fill in the gaps? I will. Yes, I will be the spackle to your crack. <laughs> oh dear God! Oh wow, <laughs> that's just worse than an insult. <laughs> for those, for those, I'm sorry. For those who don't want to hit the back 15 second button on their their podcatcher, what Ryan just said is he's the spackle to my crack. Uh, he's gonna spackle my crack. I- can't believe I just heard that. Uh, I, I'm not even. <laughs> there's nobody else here, and I'm turning red. This is so embarrassing that you said that. I'm, like, I'm very I'm glad we have this on for video. You. Oh, I've, I've, I have said far worse on this podcast adjust, before. <laughs> adjust that white balance. The colors are going crazy. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. S- Snyder cut. Okay. So back in 2017, uh, that that's when the first version of the Justice League was released, and so they did all their filming back in 2015, 16, um, uh, 2016, I think it was. Anyway, point being, uh, uh, Zack Snyder was the director. They got most of the way through the production, and then uh, tragedy struck. His daughter committed suicide at some point during the production, and understandably, he's like, "Yeah, I'm not in a place to finish this. I I can't." I've got to quit the project. So DC brought in, of all people, Joss Whedon to finish uh, the Justice League. Now, Joss Whedon, for those who mm, are living under a rock or something, uh, up until a couple months ago, what Joss Whedon was most famous for, besides, you know, Buffy and Firefly, was doing the Marvel stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, he did the the first Avengers movie um, and... 
he has that kind of a, a very Joss Whedon brand and he brought that with him to the Justice League. So the Justice League movies, the DCEU up to this point had been very Snyder-esque. Even when it wasn't him necessarily directing, he's still overseeing the aesthetic behind yeah. the whole project. Snyder has been Snyder has been for DC what Kevin Feige was for Marvel for to a certain extent for a while and right. then this forced him to step away and so not only was Joss Whedon brought in to replace him as a director but for oversight on all DCU projects there was another guy brought in and I cannot remember, I can't his, remember name. his name yeah. but yeah everyone was singing his praises that he was going to help save DC from all the missteps they'd taken so far <laughs> right. and which well, yeah. yeah missteps according to whom right it, i actually quite enjoyed the dceu not that i didn't have my complaints or whatever but i enjoyed it i like Zack snyder's vision whatever but but the point up to here is that um <laughs> the idea was oh, okay so uh zach snyder is out now's our chance to turn this into marvel so let's bring in joss yeah. whedon and marvelize this with uh and which is what he did and so you get this really dark, uh, it, literally dark movie, right? It's shot very dark. The characters are all broody and all that stuff. And you get these scenes. Well, no, you know what? We're gonna get we're gonna get to the differences anyway. Just stuff was out of place. It was a very disjointed movie. This uh, Joss Whedon version. And then, uh, boy, if if we thought the DCEU was poorly received before. Well, when Justice League came out, it was an unmitigated disaster. And immediately, there were rumors out there that Joss, or not Joss, that, uh, that Zack Snyder had a Snyder cut on his laptop. And so there were a whole, you know, army of people online who started the hashtag release the Snyder cut. Now, here's the problem. Like, I, I am totally on board with, you know, release the Snyder cut as on principle. But as a hashtag and as a movement, it was often very trollish, very loud and obnoxious mm -hmm. and uh, not very pleasant. And so even in the this last little while, um, knowing that it was being released, a lot of people were taking uh, Snyder cut Justice League stickers and going through Barnes and Nobles and all these places and just stickering everything with you know, make sure you watch this, the mm -hmm. Justice League Snyder, the Snyder cuts like that to the point where it was like literally defacing and vandalizing property with it. I was like, okay, right. we're, it, it has we've, gone we've too gone far. Beyond we've, we've pushed a little bit too far on this. Yeah. But like, but like I said, I was totally on board with the idea of, Hey, I'd like to see that. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's a yeah. Snyder cut out there, I'd like to see that anyway. So now fast forward to 2020, I think it was actually 2019. It was announced that he was going to get his chance to finish it. Maybe it was early 2020. Zack Snyder is given the go-ahead and $70 million, not for him, but for the production. The production is given $70 million for him to finish his cut of Justice League. And that's what we got. So he was, Ryan, you were saying earlier, he wasn't supposed to do any reshoots. They gave him $70 million and said, uh, you know, go ahead and cobble everything together. Use the whatever graphics you need to get it done. Um and we'll we'll put it out. But he said, "Okay, yeah, sure, whatever." And then he reshot a whole bunch of stuff, made new, yeah, shot new scenes. The yeah, entire he, ending is different. Yeah, that whole uh, here's we're now's your spoiler, your last chance to walk away. Uh, that very last scene with the crew from Nightmare, uh, where it's Nightmare. What's that? What's Nightmare, Nightmare. Nightmare is a it's a storyline of an alternate universe where basically Superman goes bad. If you remember back in. I don't remember. I think it was uh, Batman v Superman or something where Bruce Wayne has this dream and the Flash comes mm -hmm. in and says, Lois Lane is the... It's, She's the key. It's that timeline sticking its nose into this timeline. Got it. Because we're now dealing with the multiverse the same way Marvel is. That is that is the level that DC has stepped into without really prepping people for a multiverse. A right. Lot other than, you know, hopefully you already knew about it. Um, so, but yes, anyway, uh, the whole ending sequence with uh, the Joker, Hera, Batman... And Deathstroke, the very end. All that brand new shot. Hera, Other, is that her name? Mira. Mira. Oh, Mira. Sorry. Mira. Hera's yeah. a goddess. Greek goddess. Hera's a Greek goddess. Mira yeah. is a cartoon character. I was character. off. H&M, I got I was out there. We're she fine. looks like a cartoon character. My <laughs> word. But uh, yeah, so that was entirely uh, shot new. Uh, but there was I, was, I was reading an interview with um, Zack Snyder. Wait, he gives interviews? 
I know. Very such a such a subtle it's and quiet very, person. Wow. He's he's That's pretty a, he's pretty reserved. Yeah, no kidding. He doesn't want to talk about himself much, does he? <laughs> Sorry, you were reading an interview. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I was doing an, I was reading an interview with him, and he talked about how uh, there's been a lot of talk about how they were like giving him the full creative license, and he was going to be able to. He's like, no, no, there was. There was agreements and compromise and things in between. There How was, could there, with $70 million, yeah. there are going to be agreements and compromises. So they had a handful of things that they said, don't do, uh, don't, uh, you're not allowed to do, don't do any reshoots, just finish, uh, cut it together using the footage we've got here. And he kind of said, okay, went through with that. He also had plans to, um, again, in the epilogue sequence, um, Martian Manhunter shows up. Yeah. Okay. Who? It, yeah. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we get introduced to that character throughout uh, a couple times in the show, but at the very end, he shows up to, to Bruce Wayne's lake lakeside house and talks. His to lakeside Dhaka. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going we're going Soviet on this one. But it wasn't supposed to be Martian Manhunter. It was supposed to be uh, John Stewart uh, Green Arrow, not oh, Green Arrow, Green, Green Lantern. Lantern. Green Lantern. John Stewart's yeah, yeah. Green Lantern. And we were supposed to introduce the Green Lantern Corps into this. Well, for you know, good news. For everybody, I guess, if you want to take it, is that they said, no, we have plans for John Stewart, Green Lantern Corps. You can't do that. And that opened up the whole discussion of, so is this going to actually affect the DC universe or not? Because if it's not going to affect it, then why does it matter? Right. Why does it matter? You know, is it because you don't want to have someone cast by him and then have to recast what's going on? So just a handful of things that there were trade-offs and things that he made the agreements with. And other times he just gave him the middle finger and said, what are you going to do? You're writing me to try and help you make HBO Max work. So. <laughs> exactly, yeah, he's yeah. got all the leverage. And you know, I there there are kind of two polar opposite camps that we could talk about as far as like studio interference and this is writing by committee and uh, you know et cetera et cetera and how dare the suits meddle in our art versus the um, you know the artist vision. This is Zack Snyder's thing. Don't you dare get your grubby little paws on it. It's all his. And I'm somewhere in the middle of that. It, it, when you're talking about such a collaborative project as a movie that requires so many millions of dollars to make, like there's no, there's no way you're going to get a pure artist's vision. Um, but I hope that there's not too much studio meddling. I, if you get too much of that writing by committee, then you get 2017 Justice League, and uh, it's not not so great. Or a yeah. host of other superhero movies. That don't seem to hold together because you don't have you if you don't have one person at the helm that can say, here's what it needs to look like all the way through, then you lose your opportunity to control your fan base or to please your fan base, Mm -hmm. whatever that fan base might look like. And you just guarantee that you're going to offend all of them. And that's really what happened with 2017. There was not a lot of people, including me, dedicated comic book fans who walked away from it going, eh, that was thoroughly disappointing thank you so much for wasting my time (laughs) well the the thing about the kevin feige marvel situation is that kevin feige was he's the executive producer he's overseeing the whole storyline etc etc but he is the studio he is the suit uh and then you go over to dc and Zack snyder and Zack snyder it seemed like was constantly fighting with the studio so if he's overseeing everything, well, they didn't ever quite give him the control. And a lot of people out there would say, well, thank goodness, I hate Zack Snyder movies. You know, fine. But the, my point is just that he never quite had that autonomy that Kevin Feige did. But Kevin Feige never directed anything. No. Right. And so, yeah, so it's, a, it's a, just a weird and different dynamic. In the, in the combination between... and, and in, Invariably, this is going to continue to be, a, a, as it is in the comic book world, a comparison between Marvel and DC. How different are they in the way that they approach the way that they develop this, this particular uh, medium of entertainment? And where Marvel has maintained themselves as an exclusive studio, they control their – I mean, yes, they sold stuff off to 20th Century Fox and then they bought it back after they were under, under Disney. They sell things off. They, they're trying to bring everything back. Um they they are working very hard to have a cohesive single point where they say this is what it means to be in a Marvel film. And DC is trying to pull together those pieces, but they don't have anybody. They don't have one person that they can say, and he's the guy. 
Well, they're but, still trying the, to find that guy. I think the problem is that when Man of Steel came out, DC freaked out because some people didn't like it. Yeah. They freaked out. Whoa, 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 this is a Superman movie. Everybody's supposed to like this, but you give it to somebody like Zack Snyder, who was already known as kind of a divisive director with a very specific type of aesthetic. Um, and he puts out Man of Steel, and it's like, yeah, of course some people didn't like it. I liked it. I don't know. I would, You didn't like it, Todd. I didn't. I wasn't thrilled with it when I first saw it, but... But, sorry, l- let me go... I'm sorry, let me go back to my point, though, which is that they freaked out when Man yeah. of Steel came out and tried to then course correct and they 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 kept slewing the ship so hard that they never chose a direction one of the things that i've was really impressed with on the way that things have had evolved and that i saw some influences in the snyder cut and whether these were absolutely intentional or not is the the movie the the comic book influence of the new 52 Mm. dc tried to periodically comic books have to kind of reinvent their heroes Right. Because if you had Peter Parker getting bit, Peter Parker bit, getting bitten by a radioactive spider in 1969, he should be 70. Uh, if you've got Superman <laughs> landing at Mom Pa Kent's farm in the 1930s, yeah, okay, well, everybody that he should ever know and love is dead. Right. So periodically they have to reboot, and DC did this new 52 reboot that was divisive. There were a lot of fans that looked at it and said, "I hate this." There were a lot of fans that said, okay, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And there were a lot of fans that said, who are these new characters? I'm so excited. Superman, tell me more about this character. Uh, and it really feels very much like Zack Snyder, uh, the, the point at which Zack Snyder is stepping into the DC universe, they're trying to do a, a complete reboot of that nature. Right. Um, we're done with the Christopher Nolan Batman. We're starting a new uh, a new direction for Batman. We're starting a new direction for Superman. So it was a logical spot. And this new look, this new take on these characters very much fit the new 52 aesthetic that very much fit what the direction looked like uh, DC wanted to go. And DC's now in the process of kind of dismantling a little bit of their own 52. So, right, right. And, and it's all about trying to make sure that people are happy with it. And now Ryan's starting to twitch over there. Maybe we ought to get back to uh, <laughs> the actual Snyder cut. No, <laughs> Talk about Justice League. Uh so, Ryan, let's get back to basics here. Did you like the Snyder Cut? Yeah, uh, I did, actually, quite a bit. Now, now let me rephrase the question. Now that I've got that answer out of you, <laughs> I'm going to rephrase it. Do you like the Snyder Cut as it relates to the Whedon Cut, or do you like the Snyder Cut? Like, in a vacuum, would you like it? Or is it just like, oh, thank goodness, this is oh. better than the original? Uh, actually, in a vacuum, I would like this one. Okay. Uh, not just in relation to how it sits against the the prior, the 2017 version. Um, and it's because of how clear, uh, clear may not be the right word, but I was able to follow every character's story and believe every, every line, every character arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything made sense with a few a few things that are plot hole-esque uh, but not so much that I couldn't forgive it. So based on just judging it as, a, as its own standalone movie, uh, I was like no, this this works other than being egregiously long and uh, <laughs> the, it, the thing is like it had to be to tell that much of a story. This 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 is the, the problem you have when you don't have Thor and Iron Man and Captain America with their own movies Correct. to introduce them. All you had was superman and then you tried to make the justice league yeah like yeah that's not gonna work yeah you needed the others to set up and even even the storyline that they told in this one very clearly i looked at that i watched it and went you could have very easily turned this into two movies yes of it about you know a little over two hours each and and told these stories that way i get as fans we get really tired and irritated by how often studios will go through and do that and Mm -hmm. say like hey yeah now you're gonna be doing we're gonna do Avengers Infinity War and then Avengers Endgame. So right. we're like, oh, you're just trying to, you know. Milk us. Milk us for more money. I'm like, well, you, if you're telling a You can a, milk anything with Nicholas, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> All oh the places. Oh, my gosh. All the places we've gone today. came in here today. <laughs> um, but if we can, if, if you're going to go to this depth and this level to tell the, the story that's told here, it's better served to be done in a way like, in a way where it's either two movies or 
do it in increments over in a mini series setup using the streaming service. That's one of the beauty, beautiful things. Wow. <laughs> wow, folks. Uh, we got the beautiful things happening with DC now on HBO yeah, Max. Okay, you're, you're making it worse. Making it I worse. I know. I know. <laughs> no, so one of the beautiful things about having streaming services like HBO Max, Netflix, Disney Plus, everything, is that we can get back to telling stories over longer arcs in palatable serving sizes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I, I read this really annoyingly hand-wringing article and it was a series of responses from the editors of IndieWire. Um, and they just were going crazy about like, oh, it's the death of storytelling, streaming. This is, uh, you know, and this is the death knell of cinema because it's four hours long and, you know, isn't structured like a normal was two hour movie. Was it specifically about the Snyder Cut? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, this is this is the apotheosis of everything that is wrong with streaming. Right? Yeah. Uh, the Snyder Cut. Anyway. And I'm with you, Ryan, where it's like, hey, I, I love a good two-hour movie. I also love a good 20-minute sitcom. I also love a 10-episode series that might as well be, you know, a 10-hour movie. You know, I, I, these are all valid forms of visual storytelling. Why? Why do we have to marry ourselves to the, the, the two-hour cut of a movie? Because that's how people get published. The well, people that are the people that are hand wringing. That's how they get published. I, guess. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so I I like this. It's yeah, it's four hours. Is it long? Heck yeah, it's freaking long. It was took me three sittings to watch it, but hey, that's all right. That's the beauty of streaming. I, I got the it. pause button. Get up. Go take a pee. Come back. You know, whatever. Yeah. I got it in two, and I I'm Ryan. I'm with you on the on this would have made really good couple of uh, two really good two hour movies. And when you think about it. The way that the comic book universe has hey, talk, always talking your mic. Oh, please. sorry. Yeah, I got to remember that, don't I? Um, <laughs> I forgot we we're talking to people. Um, the 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 way that the comic book universes have always told stories, they have typically been either very episodic, or they have been over a year or more of threaded storylines that jump between different titles, different books. And that's been extremely successful for the comic book publishers because it gets everybody to buy new books. It, it is the kind of, it is the kind of stories that, that those kinds of, of plot mechanisms or those kinds of marketing mechanisms, whichever one you want to call it, make for lots and lots and lots of money for the, for the publisher's houses. But it also makes for the kinds of nuanced storytelling that can be told on that level of, uh, on that level of of exposure, you're never going to get that unless you agree to have a phase of comic book movies like Marvel has done, or if you can get somebody to buy to buy in and get behind streaming this stuff for DC. I loved I I really from a from a from the geek kid who remembered these stories when Darkseid was first introduced as a character. Okay, maybe I'm not quite that old, but uh, from seeing these and seeing the kinds of 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 uh, growth and development and the way that they pulled all of this together, I had so much fun watching this film. I watched it alone. My wife would not watch it with me, uh, which is probably a good thing. Uh, but I, I I loved four hours of these characters. These were fun characters. I got behind. I'm sorry, we're probably going to talk about characters later, but. I really got behind it because this okay, the, the horse is pretty well dead in here about whether or not the Snyder cut as a streaming thing would work. So man, I characters is a good group of weird place to go. <laughs> I, I, it, it allows for opportunities to to explore things that you'll never explore in a two hour movie. Todd talking to your mic, buddy. Oh, sorry. But it, it also gives, it, it also gives a Liberty to comic fans to give them what they've wanted in movies that they have not really gotten anywhere along the line, at least not from DC, not from live action DC. And if if we want to talk about that another day, I'd love to. <laughs> okay, what well, what we're missing here, the the key ingredient that we're missing is uh, is uh, Vilia, who came in and talked about the first Justice League movie with us. Mm -hmm. uh, we should have got her back in. Oh well, <laughs> she was uh, she she. If you recall, she wrote like a master's thesis on Batman. Mm -hmm. and, yes. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, miss you, Vilia. Okay, so <laughs> let's talk about characters and. Like we've kind of alluded to this with it being a four hour movie. It gave a lot more breathing room to introductions to the characters. So let's, uh, let's kind of run through it. What, 
what worked, um, what surprised you, what was satisfying. I'll give you my first one. Um, I I really liked this kind of subtle changes that the Flash went through uh, from one version to the other. Okay, he was still. Uh, He's still kind of, uh, he's a kid, he jokes a lot, he's always got a quip, but he's not like a, 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 I think the phrase I saw from someone earlier is a punchline machine in the Joss Whedon version, and that's all he is. He's a punchline machine. He's not an actual character. In this one, he still has that kind of quippiness, but he has something behind it, a little yeah. bit of depth, right? So it's not a huge, massive change to who he is as a character, but it was a nice, uh, refreshing version of that, right? What it felt mean? true. It felt true to the character of the Flash of Barry Allen, uh, because he is he's he's kind of when it comes to wit and and things like that, he's very similar to Spider Man, where he is mm-hmm. the one liner. He is a little, more, but he's always a very capable. He's a very very powerful being. In, in the DC universe and for him to be uh, in the original version to basically be this inept child who can't interact with other people like I understand he has uh, they've they've decided that he has uh, different uh, social disabilities things like that that they're gonna de- play a deal with that's fine totally fine with that mm-hmm. but I felt like this flash mattered to the storyline along with cyborg. Those two to have the characters. The, yeah. yeah. That's the thing. Is at the very end, the climactic battle scene, because I went back and watched the Whedon version a few weeks ago, um, and true, it doesn't hold up. No, it's just as bad the second time you watch it. Um, I'm surprised you did. I, <laughs> I, you know, whatever. I, I wanted to know. I kind of had an inkling of a memory from mm-hmm. when I'd seen it, but I wanted to know what the difference really was, and so I watched it again. And the Flash is completely worthless. In the yeah. Whedon version, he is a punchline machine, and that is his entire purpose in the movie. Uh, you know, including the climactic battle scene where it's like, "Oh, we got to give the Flash something to do." So uh, go, go save this. Go family. save the family on the truck. Uh, okay. Why? What? By the way, we're gonna have Superman do that too. Yeah, exactly. But not with a truck. With a, with a whole building. bunch more yeah. people. Anyway, and so in this version, he... Um, okay, I guess this is a real spoiler. Uh, the Flash ends up saving the day. Like, the, the day is... is Yeah, you know, to use the, the, the yeah. French term. Uh, and the Flash ends up saving the day saving the day by breaking the speed of light and turning back time and getting to just before when they all got screwed over. And say, so it's... It, it kind of... The Flash is much more interesting story-wise because... In the Whedon version, it's like, okay, Superman's here. Story over. Yeah. We're yeah. done because it's Superman and, and he just, he punches a lot harder than everybody else. So story over. In this version, it's like, no, Superman can punch as hard as he wants. They're all still screwed unless this guy with this specific power can make use of that power to do the specific thing and, you know, make it all work out. So very, yeah. very well done on the flash. There. Yeah, you bring up another point here. I, I want to shift over to Cyborg in just a minute because I think he's his is the other storyline worth doing that. But one of my uh, wife's biggest criticisms of the 2017 Justice League, she's like, we just watched two and a half hours of waiting for Superman to show up. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Like, that's all that mattered was, and that's when I was watching the Snyder Cut, she's like, so is it the same thing where it just it doesn't matter until Superman gets here? And I was like, I was watching it and I kind of got to a certain point. I hadn't finished it yet. And I was like, yeah, it still kind of is. They just are waiting. They got to figure out how to get Superman back and make that work. It really is Superman saving the day. But then I actually went saw the finished the last hour, you know, two hours of the movie. Whatever it is. <laughs> and I was like, no, Superman's role is vital, but not the only important role because of exactly there that moment with the Flash. Three vital characters: mm-hmm. Superman, the Flash, and Cyborg. Yeah. Um, even Wonder Woman and Batman, my two favorites, actually. I like them more than the other three characters as characters, but they're all relegated to support roles for the three who actually matter, whereas in the Whedon version, there's precisely one. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, Cyborg, I think, is is probably... I'm, I'm with you, Ryan. Cyborg was one of my more favorite ones to watch in this because we get backstory that was never uh, anything more than just an illusion in the in the original version and that's that's fine as a as a consumer of comic books i could look at it and i could go oh i get it i know where some of these pieces fit together 
And everybody and that I, I saw, know, I know nothing about the comic books. And so. I, most of the people that I went and saw the movie with said, how did you know that? Where was that in the film? I said, well, it wasn't in the film. You kind of had to know some <laughs> of the some of the backstory. Maybe if you'd watched a couple of televisions and they were like, no, I haven't watched any of that. And I said, so you felt ripped off, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I felt completely lost about all of this stuff. And I said, mm, OK. I like that we get backstory. I like that the backstory is about, and we get enough backstory on the fact that all of these characters are busy. They all have their own lives. They all have their own rungs that they're trying to write. They don't just sit around and wait for somebody to call them up and say, by the way, I've got something I need some help with. Do you think you might want to just kind of jump on board? No, they, all of these characters are very busy and we get a glimpse at what it is that they are busy trying to do all the way along. I really liked that. That's that's what has always that's what always made these team up comic books, team up movies, all of these things interesting is that people were busy before. They come in long enough to say, "Okay, I hate you, but I don't hate you enough to leave right now." So we'll try and get along for a little while. And then we go our separate ways. Yeah, yeah. And that worked really well with Cyborg. You know, it wasn't just with the Whedon cut. It wasn't just people walking out of the theater who felt ripped off. You know who else felt ripped off? Ray Fisher. Ray Fisher. And turns out we we know now why. At, at the time, I, I think there were a lot of complaints that like, what did you do to my character? <laughs> this is yeah. not the movie I signed on for. And then it came out that it's like, oh, so, and Joss Whedon is the devil. Uh, you know, according to Ray Fisher, you know, and I have no reason to disbelieve him. But uh, anyway, so, yeah, I think uh, of anybody in the entire world, he's got to be the most pleased with oh. what Snyder did to restore Cyborg. So, yeah. Ryan, do you want to talk about Cyborg a little? Well, he was uh, part of it's the discussion with Ray Fisher because he has been one of the most vocal pro uh, proponents of the Snyder cut right. of all the cast. You know, a lot of people, Henry Cavill, everyone, they've come out and congratulated him on getting them out, you know. Which is just a perfectly logical response mm -hmm. to having a good thing to say. You know, yeah, congratulations. I'm glad you got to have your creative vision out. Really happy to be a part of it, whatever there. Ray Fisher came out and was like, this is what it's supposed to be. This is, I think in one of those he said, um, he said, the, uh, Snyder's version is an eight-lane superhighway, whereas Whedon's was a broken down backcountry road type thing. I remember him saying, I was like, <laughs> okay, tell us how you really feel, yeah. man. <laughs> I don't know if I go quite that far. I liked it, but but come on. I but. think I think for me one of the big <laughs> things about this and it and it pertains a little bit to characters but it also pertains to vision is that this Justice League feels like an ensemble film. It doesn't feel like uh it doesn't feel like an excuse to spotlight one character right. at the expense of any others. It's it, they do a they do a great job. Yeah, I but I do I do think that the time as much as of a team up film as it is, this is their best shot to do the origin story for cyborg yeah um they didn't do it so much for barry uh but hit, this was the cyborg origin story in the middle of justice league yeah and the i think part of the reason why cyborg and flash connect so well is we both we follow two arcs in the story of both of them dealing with father uh, father figures and father issues um and isn't that the entire DC yeah, universe? I was going to say that's that's all of them. DC everybody is just, except everybody's for Wonder got Wonder Woman. problems. Yeah. <laughs> and, and even Wonder Woman a little bit tangentially. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so absence of father entirely. OK, we'll get with that. I I think it was pretty. Uh, I enjoyed watching that storyline uh, unfold because in the original one, he just hated his father and you didn't really get much of a sense why other than you made me like this. And I'm not the football star anymore. I'm like, I don't know. It seems like a bit of an upgrade to me when it comes to athleticism and stuff like yeah. that. But you're a monster. I get it. Okay, whatever. But going into this, there's an emotional nuance and there's a, a, a structure to it that was so much more enjoyable. And to watch that redemption of his view of his father yeah. through the story up to the point where uh, he gives the he gives them a way to find the mother boxes uh, by sacrificing himself. And that watching that scene was really hard and really rough. Yeah. I, it was very emotional to see his response to a father figure who he viewed, who he really didn't like at the beginning uh, for what he made him into, to understanding, to coming to here and being like, no, you're still my father. I, I, you know, I've saved you a couple of times here and now the father pays it back and we can now go forward with his storyline and him uh, coming to terms with the loss of his father uh, as well. Yeah. And then obviously the flash dealing with his father who's in prison. And if you know any of that backstory and why, yeah, uh, why his father's in prison, and everything, you know, they've got a place to go with that as well. 
So your lesser known characters now have a fully three-dimensional space in which to exist. Yeah, you you said something in our in our chat before we got together on this that there are so many threads that the DC universe really could pick up and run and any of them could potentially do some really wonderful wonderful things for storytelling for the for fleshing out the rest of this group and for setting the stage for what is going to have to be a a second round of how does the DC, how does the Justice League really form and how does it work? I, I, I particularly liked, uh, as I was watching through this process, I liked the changes that they made for Aquaman in the way that they approached his story. In the, in the original version, the one moment that we get of trying to show Aquaman's troubled side rather than just kind of, you know, yeah, I'm big, I'm bad, I can just punch my way through anything, I'm not as cool as Superman, but I'm still pretty tough, uh, was when he sits on the lasso and he does all of this, you know, oh, self-reveal gosh, yeah. of all of that. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, why are y'all looking at me? Oh, I'm sitting on the lasso. I guess that's, you know, just how it goes. We get a much better view of his internal conflict in the scene where he's having a conversation with uh, Z- uh, uh, Willem Dafoe. Zuko, Willem Dafoe's character. And, and we get we get some glimpses there that do a much better job of, sh- of showing why he's got the conflicts that he's got than we ever did because of that stupid little asso scene. I really and I really like scene. So, OK, so yes, I want to finish exactly. your point and then I want to talk about the lasso scene. Well, I was also going to say that the, the way that we start that off with him actually being in the bar. Rather than, you know, Bruce Wayne saying, you know, if I can talk to him, that'd be fine. But Bruce Wayne being very clear about the fact that he's in the bar. I'm talking to him right now. I know I'm talking to you right now. Uh, that was a that was a really fun scene. And I'm so much I, I, I'm so much more glad that that scene was the one that we get rather than Bruce Wayne walking across all of Scandinavia <laughs> looking for somebody that smells like fish. You know, I mean, this some interesting interplay between the characters even before we put them together it was it was a really well a really good treatment for aquaman it that specific sequence talking about that uh was the first sign to me that this was going to be a better batman mm-hmm. uh a better treatment of batman than the prior version uh i have had a lot of problems not with ben affleck's performance i actually think he actually makes a pretty good batman yeah he does. and a pretty good bruce wayne i think uh he's he's up there i'm okay with him um, but I mean, he's no George Clooney, but whatever, <laughs> but that yeah, Batman, especially in the justice league was, they tried to turn this character into another punchline machine or another funny guy. Like, well, I'm not the one. Oh, I like you. Things like, <laughs> what's your superpower? Moments, I'm rich. Like I'm, I'm okay. The thing is I'm okay with a couple of lines like that, but he was very much, uh, he was treated, uh, and turned into a character rather or a caricature rather than a character. And it bothered me. I never, I've never liked that. It's not the guns thing that did, that did bother me a little bit for a while, but I got over that. Like I, I just did not appreciate that Batman who has always been a man with a plan, a man with the drive, a man with conviction sitting there quietly going, well, I like you Superman. <laughs> and that just, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't work. And it was a much better treatment starting that was the first sign to me that he would be treated better. Yep. The other the other character who got treated a lot better, Wonder Woman. I yeah. was I kind of remembered from my first watch back in 2017, but I was shocked when I went back and watched the Whedon cut a few weeks ago at just how gross its treatment of Wonder Woman is. Very mm-hmm. leery and lingering in creepy ways. And now we know that turns out Joss Whedon bit of a creep. Um, but if you, if it's been a while since you've seen the Whedon cut, there's all the, you know, the, the costuming is the same. There's no getting around the fact that Gal Gadot is hotter than the surface of the sun. Like you're not like, that's just a a fact that exists, you know, uh, outside of all other facts. But then there's like they put her in these red leather pants and then what does Joss Whedon do pan up the pants and give you a nice shot of her butt on the way up you know as as you're introducing a scene and it's just like oh my gosh what are you doing this is just it's gratuitous and kind of gross Uh, and we get rid of all of that in the Snyder cut and so and the other scene and I wanted to talk about the lasso scene uh, briefly is that's one of the things that I was glad to get rid of was 
this moment when we have to we have to take the time for Aquaman to not just make jokes, but make jokes about how hot Wonder Woman is. And it was it was not only out of place, but it was again kind of leery mm-hmm. um, in in that in that uh, Joss Whedon way. So I was super super glad we got rid of that kind of sexist garbage for Wonder Woman. Um, and then the other thing with the lasso scene. And a couple other things like it, but the lasso scene is uh, is particularly egregious. Was I was trying to explain this to my brother, um, who hasn't seen. He loves the Marvel stuff, but he's not bought into the DC stuff, so he hasn't seen it. And he's like, "So what's what's the difference? What what was everybody complaining about with the like Joss Whedon versus you know what was uneven about it?" And I said, "Imagine the scene where everybody's trying to pick up Thor's hammer." In the Avengers, was it the first Avengers movie? No, second. Second Avengers movie. Age of yeah. Ultron. Imagine every, that scene where everybody's trying to pick up the hammer. And it's fun. And you get this moment of levity. And it actually works. I like that scene in the Marvel context. But imagine putting that in the middle of 2008, The Dark Knight with Heath Ledger. Right? That scene doesn't work. It doesn't fit. Nothing about that. Like the puzzle pieces are, are they're not even from the same damn puzzle. Yeah. you know yeah uh and so boy was i glad we got rid of that scene for multiple reasons no i agree i um speaking i think it's a pretty pretty fair consensus from at least this crew here that just about every character got a better treatment in the snyder cut uh partially due to time partially due to understanding and, and appreciation of the characters things like that um but i think one group that actually benefited more then maybe some of the others was our villains, Steppenwolf, oh, sure. Darkseid, those group. Because in the first Justice League, I don't care at all about anything about Steppenwolf. Like it's the performances felt weak. The CG was all right. The like I didn't understand any of him and his relation to anything. What relation? Yeah, exactly. He he's I he, I want to punch. That's his character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it was so nice to have in this version a better understanding of a redemption arc. He's trying to redeem himself in the eyes of Darkseid. That we have this bigger villain. We have our you know Thanos equivalent uh, in Mar- you know the Marvel equivalent of Thanos or the DC equivalent of Marvel's Thanos. Man, <laughs> I know keeping them all straight is a pretty tough deal, yes. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> this is why this is why I'm letting you stay the comic book person, Todd, and I'll just <laughs> it, it, you can spend a lifetime and still be out of date because everything changes so much. <laughs> Sorry, Ryan, where you did, no. did you have more to say? No, that's good. Okay. Um, good. I, I I agree exactly with what you say, and I think we've talked about it before in different areas that your heroes are really only as interesting as your villains, as the villains that they go up against. And so when we when we look at what it's going to take to make a really good superhero movie, it has to start with a really good super villain that requires everything that the superhero has to make it work. And in this case, uh, Steppenwolf by himself as a as a villain, more interesting in this in this version, but certainly as powerful as he was before, requires a team to defeat. I'm curious if DC is going to say, okay, this worked a little bit better than we were anticipating. Now, what do we do with Darkseid to try and make sure that this team expands even further? Mm. Because if, if, you're, if you're a fan of the comic books, you recognize that Darkseid is the kind of villain that you beat, but you don't defeat you it's 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 rounds right you know right. and and looking at it this way this is the you know this is the welterweight heat at the beginning that the that the heavyweight is sitting and watching and waiting for his turn to step into the ring and in order to in order to defeat dark side there is a there's very much an awareness on the part of those heroes that they all need to pull together to do it it's very similar in this way to marvel right where you absolutely the avengers fought loki and it turns out that there's thanos and Loki doesn't even report to Thanos. Loki reports to, I can't remember the name of the character, who then reports to Thanos. And it's very much similar here. Steppenwolf doesn't even talk to Darkseid. Correct. Steppenwolf uh, reports to somebody, can't remember who the name. Who looks very much like Corvus Glaive. <laughs> and who then reports to <laughs> Darkseid. Anyway, I, this brings up another, uh, an, another question. Something that you brought up before we started, Ryan, which is, what does this mean for the DCEU, if anything? So the way that the Snyder Cut uh, finishes 
is, and the way that it's set up, like I said, you know, we've got the uber villain who we barely get to meet, uh, but he's obviously very menacing and powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very similar to the way we finished uh, phase one of Marvel, uh, the MCU. So where do we go now? Is, you know, do we get a DCEU phase two with these characters? I, I, I don't believe we do. So how satisfying is this? And what does this mean for the rest of the movies? Uh, honestly, I mean, just contractually in the way they had things, every, everything set up, it means nothing for the movies. There's already seven movies planned uh, that were long before Snyder Cut ever set. Was it? Henry Cavill's out, isn't he? Mm, don't know. Can't answer that. I'm not sure. Oh, it's okay. I, I thought I read something. I, I could be totally mistaken. I yeah. thought he was out. <laughs> uh, although I do... Personally, I do believe Henry Cavill is the best Superman, best looking Superman, best general Superman we've had pretty much ever. Uh, it's not super hard to find a really strong white guy with a curl in his hair. Like, <laughs> wow. I don't know quite what to make of that statement. Wow. But uh, what I am going to make of it is probably a looping MP3 that I'm going to put on the internet. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I may regret letting that one fly. But yeah, that, was, yeah. that was pretty good. Oh, oh yeah, that was good. That was but a good one. <laughs> we, we can find ourselves a new Superman if we need to. I just happen to think Henry, Henry Cavill was a, oh, I one of the best. Um, but in terms of what their plans are going forward, they've already got things set in motion for what the DC universe is going to look like. They've got a new Batman. Yeah, they've got, uh, we've got Robert Pattinson in The Batman. I feel like they're trying to the, the, a lot of the new ones that are coming out with. They're going to say they're doing the reboot again setup. We're going to we're going to go ahead and go in a different direction and reboot the individual franchises and not really do it as a whole sweeping arc like we've done in the right, past. Right, right. Um, because it's which is frustrating because it's like well, it, Wonder Woman worked and people yeah. like Wonder Woman, but nobody likes nobody liked Green Lantern. Nobody liked your other movies. And wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Squad, like, not nobody. There were a few isolated individuals who actually liked Green Lantern, got behind it. I know Ryan Reynolds isn't one of them. Uh, in fact, he I just think rewatched it. I, I actually was, just watched I was going to say, I saw his Twitter feed that said, I'm going to do something I haven't done in a long time. Ever. He'd I'm never gonna, seen his movie. I'm going to watch this movie. Uh, and then he, he posted, he still's got, he still got the ring. Uh, there were there were some there were some things about the and this isn't a Green Lantern review. I, I get so. it, I get it. But Zack Snyder included the Green Lantern Corps mm-hmm. uh, in, in the fact, prologue. Even even in the first uh, even in the first one, even in the Whedon cut, we have a moment where he says, "No lanterns, no Kryptonians." Uh, so there's something about there's something about those two groups that is is going to it, it could be fodder for really interesting movies going forward. We know that they're thinking about it. We know that they've set that up, but they've got opportunity that that the the one thing that Marvel did well, sorry, I'm going to use my words. The one thing that Marvel seemed to do well is they built all of the individual franchise movie pieces around the idea that they're going to bring them together. And if DC really wants to take a book from what Marvel did, that's what they do. You build your individual pieces with an eye to moving them together all as a group. And you have to do that with the way that you're building those those individual pieces, those individual tent poles. Because if you don't, it's going to feel completely contrived to anybody that's watching the film, whether they're fans or not. They're just going to say, oh, okay, you wanted to make more money. Thanks. So if, if I could convince DC executives to take any lessons from this or anything to go forward, it's uh, one, your balance of committee versus creative control is off. You, it needs yeah. to shift and be closer, a little bit more creative control. If you trust that person, uh, if and you don't, don't hire, hire them. them. <laughs> yes. Let Zack Snyder go make Sucker Punch 2. I'll watch the hell out of that. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I would say that balance needs to shift. And the other thing is the superhero movie genre is not going anywhere and it's not going to lessen anytime soon because the amount of investment has gone into creating dedicated studios for these. It used to be like, yes, it was. Warner Brothers would make a superhero movie. You know, other group would make superhero movie. Now we literally have Marvel Studios. We literally have a DC studio. Like we have these groups that are dedicated to these movies. They're not going away. So if that's the case, look at the response to the Snyder Cut. Look at the value of this storyline and branch off the Snyderverse. Yeah. 
If you want to do it, say, okay, you know what? This was received well. Let's go ahead and timeline split and see what we can't have. We can't compete against ourselves, but figure out a way to say Snyder versus going to go this way and it'll start in five years. But you know what? Three I Three years, whatever. I, I think the other thing that we need to think about with the DCEU is that they have made a choice to not do something that Marvel did. And that is that Marvel integrated all of their comic book series, all of their television series, all of their movie series together. When we had Captain America Winter Soldier, we were also going through Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that had uh, a Hydra movement going on with it. And we had in the comic book series some elements of that being implicated as well. With uh, Warner Brothers, they've been very clear that the Arrowverse doesn't exist. It's not even close. But that was so well received by fans and critically done very, very well with all of the with all of the set pieces that they built there. They could easily have used that to launch into a into a Justice League piece. But because they were saying, no, that's that's the Arrowverse. We're not going to we're not going to even mess with bringing that over to the other side. Maybe that's the biggest lesson that they need or, or among the lessons they need to learn is let them be integrated. Have have some different pieces that are functioning in different areas, but let them be integrated and let them well, have some crossover. If you remember, was it back in 2015 when Netflix released the first season of Daredevil? Daredevil. Mm-hmm. I, around then, some, sometime around 2015. Uh, and they had little nods to the events in the Avengers. Yes. But it wasn't about that. And they they didn't interact with the other characters or whatever. So maybe that's kind of what you're talking about, Todd, is, you know, it's the Arrowverse. It can exist side by side simultaneously, Mm -hmm. even if he's not part of the crew. Sure. Right. I don't know. Something along those lines. The tough part that they had for that is that they did have, they did have their own Flash. They had their own, uh, they had their own Supergirl. And that eventually introduced Superman as well. So there's there's some mushiness. And I guess there's a new Superman series. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen the first episode. No, I haven't there seen There is. Either. There is. And just really quickly, um, DC is already headed in this direction. They're already explaining it because for the season finale, series finale, I think it's just the season finale of the last Flash Arrowverse setup. Those were already crossing over. Uh, they brought in the cinematic Flash Uh for a sequence so that that flash both flashes existed in the same universe for oh. a period of time as they were dealing with it basically stating this is a separate multiverse universe oh okay Good. so they've established that and given themselves now the ability that they've done it once to go back and say in the future if we want to pull a character from this universe we could do it we can we've got a way to do it already but here's why they're not because they're literally in alternate universes i'll buy that so I'll take that as a comic book fan that's been reading about Superman on Earth one Superman on Earth two, Superman. on Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that. All right. So we've got a few minutes left. So I am going to take the yoke from Todd's hands and descend, <laughs> take this plane back down from the 30,000 foot view that he keeps wrenching us up toward. And let's get back to the g- Snyder first. Yeah. Um, and let's talk about sorry whether we rec- sorry. yeah I know you're not sorry um, whether we recommend the Snyderverse uh, version or sorry the S- Snyder cut Snyder version cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and why I mean I think it's clear that we all like it a lot more than the Whedon cut um, and, and I think it's clear that we all like it uh, but the question is who who do we recommend it to like is it vital that everybody watch this thing or do we kind of tailor a recommendation uh, Ryan why don't you go. Uh, I would say, um, to anyone who has any vested interest in the superhero, like if you're one of those who like, as soon as they announce that there's a superhero movie coming, you know that you're going to see it. You need to see this. This is the case. If you're a moderate viewer, just like, oh yeah, I I enjoy going to the Marvel films. I enjoy those, whatever. You should probably figure out how you're going to view it. If you're already uh, if you're already signed up for HBO Max in that case, maybe, oh, yeah. Could, yeah, just go watch yeah, it. Just, just go watch it. Uh, part, of the, uh, part of the reason why it's difficult to recommend this is not because of quality, but it's simply that duration aspect. Uh, I have a hard time telling someone, hey, go watch the extended cut of, the, of Return of the King. Go sit down and watch all of that. Go watch the entire Lord of the Rings series extended cut uh, to someone who is not invested in it at all. Sure, sure, sure. And it's simply duration. Um, I would actually tell someone on who is a little less invested with the Snyder cut to say, watch 
watch the prologue parts one and two. Once that finishes, take a break and then watch three, yeah. four and five or, or, you know, parts or, or whatever, whatever you can get yeah, to. Yeah. But as soon as you see the next part come up, if you need take a break, break, take a break there and do that. Uh, that would be my recommendation to lighter and to lesser invested people. But I don't think this uh, hardly, hardly anybody is going to sit down for a four hour watch through of this, right? Even hardcore fans are going to be like, yeah. yeah, I'm taking a break. Yeah. Let me actually just, let me retweak the syllabus or not the syllabus, the rubric against which is, should you spend $15 on HBO Max to watch this? Right. And my answer to that would be, if you've had even a mild bit of interest, yes. If you, if this was, if we were still a theater going people, uh, you know, thanks COVID. (laughs) If we were still a theater going people and you would go see this. And most of us don't go see movies alone. I do because I'm a sad, sad person who loves popcorn. Uh, but if you if you are going to go see this, you're going to go see it with somebody, and you're going to spend twenty five dollars just to get through the doors. Fifteen bucks to watch this at home. Compare that to when freaking Disney put out Mulan and they charged everybody thirty bucks to watch it. And Raya. And Raya, yeah, same way. And I've paid them both. And of course you have because it says Disney on it, so therefore it is it is morally righteous and must be watched by Ryan. Um, no, with, with but that ew, that was a little bit like like oh geez thirty extra dollars I'm I'm already paying for your streaming service if I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pay an extra I, so I never paid it but with this one it's like yeah I, yeah this is less than the cost of two people going to the movies yeah yeah so. Screw it. Yeah, of course you should. If you're interested, pay the 15 bucks and then you'll discover just how good HBO Max is. I'm sorry. I'm going to preach this from the mountaintops. It's probably content-wise the best streaming service out there right now, especially for adults. Uh, you know, Disney Plus is definitely, it rivals it, but that has mostly content skewed toward a younger audience. Um, but yeah, HBO Max is amazing. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I box. remember when we were, we were, talking about getting ready for this. And I said, well, let me see if I can find a way to download it. And you said, you're going to spend $15 for the download. Just get HBO Max. So I said, okay, I'll get HBO Max. I've loved it. Yeah. So love the option. How do you answer the question, Todd? Who do you recommend it to and why? I recommend it to every every DC fan who was disappointed by the Joss Whedon cut. (laughs) Absolutely. You need to take the time. You need to sit down and do it now. Uh, Why now? Why now? Because it will be spoiled for you, not from a standpoint that people are going to give things away, but that you're going to have people tell you, oh, look for this. Oh, look for this. Oh, look for this. No, 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 no. Go watch it yourself. Be surprised. Be excited. Be have the moment where where uh, Martha Kent and Lois Lane are talking and then you get the surprise. And I'm not going to say what the surprise is. I know I could because we said spoilers, but you get the surprise. And that was a cool moment. For was, you, for you. I had no idea what the hell was going because on. Because I am, a, because that's why I said to every DC fan, go, because you'll know what those, those you'll, you'll get those surprises and they'll be awesome. Yeah. To everyone that is a superhero movie fan, yeah, they should go watch it. They should get it um, and get it with a group of friends. Watch it with, watch it with a group of people. Pop a whole bunch of popcorn at the house and, you know, make it one of those things that you, that, you know. Assuming couple, you're all immunized. Couple of people, couple of people are going to watch the whole thing all the way through. Everybody else is going to be getting drinks in the back, and then they'll say, "Hey, come here! It's good parts getting in here. Let's go watch it." Right, right. Um, but uh, uh, I agree with Ryan. If you're not a, if you're not a, a hardcore movie fan of this type of movie, this is a really easy kind of an episodic binge thing. Zack Snyder's done a wonderful job of breaking it up and making it easy to consume. I, I watched. Two, I, I watched two blocks. I took a little bit of a break. I watched another block while I was doing a workout, took a little bit of a break, came back, watched it. It was, it was easy to put together and easy to build your life around. We, we have not talked much about potential criticisms of this movie, and we probably could. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. There's there, some plot holes. There's, there's a lot of stuff that, that we could poke at. You know, like Wonder Woman grabbing the arrow and finding a cave somewhere with painting. Like, what what just happened? What is going on here? Like... Oh, well, she needed to find it. She needed to know the exposition she was going to give us later. And why hadn't and, anybody else found anyway, this cave? Yeah. And anyway, but point being like, there are little things like that. However, and, and I am happy to listen to people in the comments sections or on, on discord. Hey, subscribe to our discord. Uh, who want to say, Hey, here are a bunch of things wrong with the movie. I'm going to be receptive to a lot of that. I'm sure. sure. 
Um, one thing I refuse to listen to is anybody who says this is too long. If if that person also recommends anything other than a two hour movie, you know, oh, you like WandaVision? Oh, you like The Mandalorian? Oh, you like Breaking Bad? Oh, you like what? Shut up about the four hour Snyder cut. Yeah. I don't, because you're nobody's asking you because you can't to go to the theater and sit in a seat for four hours and watch the movie. That's not a thing. And so it's not a valid criticism and rant. Wow. <laughs> that's that's hey. what, four rants during this particular one, Ryan? Is that four or five? I don't know. I don't know. They weren't directed at me, so I don't, didn't worry about them. <laughs> <laughs> Out into the ether goes my, my rants. Um, like so much hot well, air. I do want to say, because we have really, we've been very positive on this and a lot of times our episodes follow a, we get on a positive trend and things go that way or we get on a negative trend and they go that way. This is not a perfect film by any stretch of the imaginations. And I do think there's a lot to discuss in terms of uh, issues. I actually, uh, there's one fairly large, there was one fairly large plot hole in my opinion that someone went through and explained, I, I found an explanation for it and I was like, oh, that makes sense. I can enjoy this more if I want to watch it a second time. Uh, what was that? Uh, well, Dark Side, or I don't remember what his name is, because apparently his name is different in the first part. It's like, it starts with a U or something. Anyway, uh, but not being able to remember where he saw the the, the anti-life life equation, mm, right. where he lost the great battle. And they finally came in and explained the whole thing about, well, it's a multiverse, and two of the three priests are dead. I'm like, yeah, but the other priest is right there. And how do they not remember where it was? But they kind of explained it. So I'm like, okay, I get it on future watches that it's not a plot hole for me, but it wasn't explained in this context, that, so yeah. it, it can't it be yeah. used as... That bugged me, though. It like, bugged me, for sure. Yeah, so that's what I say. I can't give, I can't give credit, even though there are an, an explanation is out there. I can't give you credit for my having to go out and find it right. on that one. No, I totally... So, that's, that's a, that should be for every movie. That's criticism of any movie that does that kind of crap. Anyway, last topic, and this is going to be quick fire. The Joker is in this. Hated it. Really? Yep. Okay. Todd, well, uh, I don't know if I want to kick this to Todd. Todd? Why did I hate it? Why did you hate it? I hated it because... I'm timing you. I'm sure you are. I hated it because (laughs) as I've looked at some of the... And and, and again, this comes from the the pieces that I'm thinking about Injustice, which is what sets Superman in his his, uh, arc of taking a, a much more badass kind of an act, attitude toward crime enforcement and all these kinds of things that that starts him toward where he would be a puppet or a pawn of dark side joker kills himself i mean or well excuse me he doesn't kill himself but he puts himself in a situation where he's eliminated and he wasn't part of the equation so seeing a universe where batman's going to pull the joker in because he needs that con- no i don't buy it i just don't buy it i'm more likely to buy the fact that that batman looks at it and says you stupid son of a buck, and he kills him. I'm far son more likely buck. to buy that. Son of a buck. All right. Have you guys never heard me say that? Welcome to the legendarium. Um, okay. <laughs> you and your salty sailor language. <laughs> well, yeah, Get out of here with Aquaman's your basement my man. No, um, I, I had no idea what the heck was going on in this epilogue with the Joker and everybody. And, and I'm like, who are they so afraid of? What's going on? And Superman shows up and it's like, what? and then it ends without any confrontation or what. Uh, I had no idea what was going on, but I just kind of took it as, oh, that's an interesting flavor to leave me with, uh, and an and interesting possible direction that future movies could go. That's that's about all I made out of it, uh, but I will say I liked um, Jared Leto's Joker this time better than the last one, even though he only had one scene, right? It's uh, like, it's... I it's not like... hard, not hard to uh, get past very low bar it's yeah. a very low bar to improve on his joker and to all of those individuals out there who are currently who saying live in a society who live in a society who currently are saying that jared leto's joker's performance in that one scene is the best joker performance oh, ever gosh. really is really? that a thing yeah that's really a thing that people have said <laughs> i i want to it believe you're trolling i'm like i am proud that you i'm very happy for you that you have found such a Strong connection to a terrible person, terrible character, uh, but no, no, it's not even remotely close. And I'm sorry, I, I don't, I don't like that Joker. Oh, really? I don't. 
it was a better performance and I would be willing to give Jared Leto another chance at the Joker in a future film based on that performance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I would not in any stretch of the imagination look at that and go, that is the definitive Joker. That was... I recently rewatched the uh, 1990, 91, 89 Batman. Wow. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, okay. With uh, Jack Nicholson as the Joker. He's fantastic. Yeah. He's yeah. fantastic. He was great. Heath Ledger, obviously, legendary performance as the Joker. So, Jared Leto, very good Joker. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's not the greatest Joker of all time. Get out of here. Basement talk. Uh, all right. Well, shall we, shall we call it good there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it's it, look. This we could have four hours of discussion. I suppose. I'm really glad we're not. Um, although I'm sure there are a lot of people who are screaming at us that we left X or Y or Z unsaid, but, or we didn't uh, spend enough time in the movie talking about specific movie points. Yeah. Ex- Thanks, Todd. Uh, <laughs> but you're the one that kept pulling us up to thirty thousand. Although I didn't resist very hard. I'll admit. I. I it's followed just you the up. deal. Um. <laughs> so. Whoa, oh shoot! What was I going to say? Um. Yeah, it's gone now. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Make sure you go and uh, find us on Discord. You can find the link at thelegendarium.com. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and uh, you know follow us on all the, the Twitters and the whatever else. Uh, somebody make a TikTok for us. I don't, I'm not going to, but uh, somebody will. Um, all right. I think Periscope's a good thing. Peri- I don't know what Periscope, Periscope is, but uh, that Periscope? sounds sounds great. It's a live streaming something or other. Okay. I great. don't know. Um, yeah, we're uh, subscribe to our OnlyFans. Yes, uh, where Ryan is going to be the sole content creator, uh, and we it's will a finger puppet. I'm OnlyFans. <laughs> it's a sock puppet, but uh, we won't tell you where it is. Yeah, uh, and we'll we'll see you all next time. Goodbye, all of our fans who we once had. 